Hello and welcome to Stock Talk, a podcast series which brings together livestock specialists, vets and farmers to give you the tools you need to improve your business and embrace the future. Stock Talk is presented by myself, Robert Ramsey, and produced by Kirsten Blackwood as part of the Farm Advisory Service in association with the Scottish Government. So I'm joined today by somebody I feel like I know, somebody that's been on my television quite often, eh, more often than not through YouTube now. Um, but I'm joined today by Sean Cursiter from Laga Farms in Orkney. So Sean, how's things going with you just now? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, we're uh, we're getting on not so bad. Good, good. And uh, thanks for joining us today. So Sean, your life obviously has changed quite a lot in the last three weeks, uh, welcoming your uh, your first son. Exciting times. How's fatherhood going? Quite an overwhelming moment, I guess. And uh, but yeah, just kind of experiencing all the things all the parents before us has had the, the lack of sleep and and whatnot. But it's a uh, yeah. Uh, luckily, me, me partner, I must partner, fantastic job of looking after him, and it's uh, it's letting me get on with the farming as as well as parenting as 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 both things need to happen kind of thing so yeah so far so good yeah it's actually amazing we, we've we've been there twice and um a new mum certainly my wife has took to it like a, a duck to water and 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 it is about that that balance between you know you want to spend as much time as possible in the house and 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 see as much of new baby as you can but there is certain tasks certain things that just can he wait paternity leave is pretty limited uh, in terms of of agricultural routine and what we've got to got to go through but uh, certainly hats off to all all new mums all m- mums are amazing basically that's my that's my message um so yeah it's good to, good to see a um, nice positive story there about a, a bit of new life and uh, i think for me anyway it's really put a frame around what we're trying to do you know building a business working hard and you've now got something that makes it all worthwhile i suppose um so i suppose with that that you've fairly changed your business in the last few years so you bought a farm do you want to talk through what maybe what you were farming and how you've expanded just in the last few years yeah so um i've been on a kind of slow progression of trying to look out for opportunities and like uh, expand really within my sale of probably since 2015, 2016. You can, you just kind of develop yourself as a guy, as, as your own person. And you can, my goal to start with was always to take on the home farm and, and bring it on. But you can just, with my father being quite young when we had me and my uncle being eight years younger than him again, his brother, like the opportunity of really actually being a farmer in your own right was, well, it was never going to come for a long time. And I was kind of seeing my best years passing me by, doing things the way they want to do things rather than the way I want to do things. So, yeah, like I say, since probably 2015, like that was my main drive was just to kind of build up something to keep me sale and potentially keep me own family and uh, and and that's kind of what we've what we've been doing uh, it's amazing it's, it's, it's a you know it's a, a difficult 
challenging thing to do, but it's a great, you know, certainly where you've got to having bought a farm, you know, really that pump that you've been priming sooner or later is going to start start rewarding you for it. So what's what did you buy? So what your farm is it is it low, close by and what, what kind of size is it? Yeah, so uh, like I'd bought a small place uh, back in 2016, which was just right in the heart of my father's farm. And obviously I was wanting to get going myself and uh, there was no point my dad and his brother expanding when it would when it's not really getting any closer to me and there was this chance so 50 acres right in the heart of the farm we already had uh, came up for grabs and uh, it was a very very run down farm I actually hadn't probably had stock on it for best part of 25 30 years all that had been on it was a couple of horses there was no fence in sight it had no feeding, no, it was just a complete wipe the slate clean job and, and redoing it. And that, that's what we did, re fenced the whole thing, put water in it and uh, reseeded all the fields. And it's had, had ended up being quite a nice starter, actually, because having been so run down, we got it quite cheap and I got access to all the available kind of young farmers grants that was available at the time. You can, that, that kind of got me going and I was shearing a lot of sheep at the time so I was helping funding it and uh, it was a ideal starter and it also had a house and steading on it which I sold which helped with the purchase of the land itself and then I kind of built up to 300 of my own use which I kept there rented grazing elsewhere and I rented about 10 acres off my father just to keep them going in the summertime as well um and that was kind of who I started and then like, like that was the bug really I would say I got the bug like it was just so satisfying talking something that was just completely in ruination and making some you know it and uh yeah just having your own sheep there's something about lambing your own sheep and it's your <laughs> You can it's it's your own thing. It's more rewarding than doing it for somebody else. Like for that, I I felt like, and uh, that was that was a start. And then just yeah, there was on constant lookout. I was kind of in a big saving mode. I was always trying to shear as much sheep as I could in the summertime, and whenever I could, really uh, to bring in some extra money along with working a second job home here, doing the pier once a week loading all the livestock and whatnot. And I uh, just carried on doing that and building up my own numbers until the opportunity of the farm. It's in a parish called Orfer. We stay in a parish called Evie. They're about 10, 11 miles apart. And again, it came on the market. Uh, it's it's a sheep farm, that's for sure. There's not many sheep farms on Orkney, but this would be definitely one you would class more as a sheep farm than a cattle farm. And that's kind of where my interests lie. And me and my father went and had a look at it. It was very run down again. Again, it hadn't really done, had much farming on it since 1998. It was previously sold in 1998, sorry. And um, I did just a few tenants in it and whatnot and it was actually a, a Austrian banker that old, owned it and yeah he just kind of sucked it 
dry or lassets and sites and whatnot that could be sailed to it that you was just left with firm that had and no infrastructure put back in it since 1998. So again, quite a rundown unit that maybe no many folk <laughs> would have liked. But um, yeah, we went for it and had to come up with capital assets. So the house I bought in 2014, all the stock and land I already had and being in partnership with my father, he came in as a guarantor to kind of get the money to to come up with the money to uh, buy the place. Uh, had to do a budget and whatnot, just let everybody came. So it happens when you when you buy land, but it might as well get out the window because that was uh, <laughs> we did the budget in November 21 and then took it over in February 22. And obviously everything went wild in COVID times and uh, it's, uh, it, it's certainly been a challenge, that's for sure. Yeah, what I would say, you know, absolute hats off to you because the the new entrant story, and 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 I would argue that you and I aren't new entrants for successors, but you're you're acting like a new entrant here, um, by going out there on your own and getting it bought. And there are so few stories of that happening at the moment. The the way that land prices have gone, it's getting very competitive out there. Interest rates have changed. You know. There are not a lot of really good positive stories of young guys getting in and getting on. So hats off to you for doing it and all the very best of luck with it because it really is. I my expectation is you'll never look back. You know, there'll be there'll be points along the journey. Like now you're thinking about interest rates and thinking about your budget and but on the whole, anybody who's bought land in the past has always been you know, it's always been a really positive move and it always looks dear at the time and cheap after you've done it. Um, and certainly I, I would share your bug actually we'll go back to the see the improvement of dilapidated land we've we've done that a couple of times with blocks of land at home uh, that we've taken on and, and it really is I find it really infectious and really it's almost it's always nice to farm a, a good well-run unit but it's it, it's almost easier farming or it's almost you know it's, it's more there's more of a bug in making a poorly run unit seeing seeing the potential in it and pushing it forward and seeing it grow over the next two three five years and seeing what this yeah. land actually can do yeah definitely i've always been like that like i like i like everything tidy i like everything to have its place but most of all in farming now there's no room for wasting time and being inefficient like there's there's no room for that like yeah, each man, I don't know what it's like doing with you, but in Orkney, labour's not readily available. Same. So, like, uh, like we rely heavily on our family within, our, like, my mother, my father, Nema, and you can, like, as a family here, we, we kind of undertake everything. There's no really, you can't get people. So, like, there's no a job I do that I don't think, is there an easier way of doing this? Is there a more efficient way we should be doing that? And it's just because our work-life balance at the moment is non-existent. We just work the whole time and there's no room for anything else. And we're kind of having to do that because, well, to pay for the operation and just to keep going what we've already got. But uh, still, I, I find it worth doing. And... Uh, when you when you take on something that's just 
knackered and has so much potential and then you you slowly get it there it's there's no there's no feeling like it yeah that's it's the best it, it's it's just on the time thing you know labor i think so we've obviously got a an issue in terms of future support and economics we've got an issue in terms of emissions and climate change and there's all sorts of issues and opportunities out there in farming but for me and my clients I think access to labour is probably the most acute issue it's probably the one that's in the forefront we don't maybe talk about it enough but availability of able keen staff they're not there and we're not we're not um, you're maybe breeding them now but you know there's not a whole raft of young people coming forward wanting to get involved in this industry and to me it's a real yeah, well, shame we've got such a lot to offer as an industry there probably is people out there that want to do it like i would say the wants there it's just like you can't compete with other industries as far yeah. as wages and like like you're saying about like me being like there's no many folk going out and buying their own place well like like I've done my utmost to make as much money as I can for me selling this last while, but I still couldn't have done it. Won't my father come in as with his assets to help uh, get the money in the first place, if you can know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it it's it's very near impossible for a young person to do it in agriculture just now. Like it's not impossible, but it's no far off. Um and it's never done off the back of farming alone. There's always, like, if somebody's getting on and doing well, there's something else behind the farm that's also helping fund it, really. And uh, that, that, that's kind of that's kind of wrong that we're industries like that at the moment. Yeah, it's a shame. What, what would an acre be costing in, in order? You know, there's no such thing as an average acre, but what would a, what would a roughly average acre in, in Orkney be costing at the moment? I don't. I would say, like, most farms are pretty, like, the, the land in Orkney is better than a lot, lot of people might think, being in the north of Scotland. Yeah. It's quite fertile land, a lot of it. And if you were buying good acres now, like, there'll not be much going less than four, five, six thousand pounds an acre. Um, it's a, you can, you'd be doing well to get it less than that. And I would say that's, might be cheap compared to where you guys is fair, but I would say probably the land here would probably have a two months shorter growing cycle as well yeah. in the in the calendar year. So it's it has to be worth a wee bit less. Yeah. I think the the one from a farming perspective as well, the advantage you guys have got is when your group of islands are famous for not having any trees. There's a there's a you know the the forestry market isn't you know, chasing all the time, pushing the price up. Uh, in this area, certainly, uh, we are sitting in Ayrshire and, and there's been a lot of, of fairly good land has gone to forestry. There's been a lot of pretty poor land going to forestry as well. Um, it's it's part of the thing. And, and I, I'm, I'm quite pleased to see the forestry market has eased a bit as a landowner. It's nice to know that there's somebody there to prop it up. But as somebody who would like to buy land probably down the line or possibly down the line again, uh, you know, having it too competitive or, have, or pushing the price too far with outside money doesn't do any of us any good, really. Um, no, it, uh, I can see it. Like, I, it's it's hard for you guys, like, doing that. It's just, that would really, really 
annoy me if I was just seeing a, a good firm neighbour and I was scanning the bloody trees like when it could be producing sustainable food you know what I mean it's just the the narrative's all wrong at the moment and uh, where everything's going but I'm kind of hoping common sense will maybe prevail and it might uh, the, that burden might be taken away for you guys but at, at the moment it seems to be that that's where the money is and Land usually goes where the money is. Like, even if a farmer doesn't want to sell the forestry, he can't. He's got his family behind him and he's thinking about them. So he's going to talk as much as he's going to get. Again, he's going to take 200 grand less just because it's going to keep being farmed by a farmer when he could get 200 grand more for selling to the forestry type thing. He can, but hey, exactly. that's really what would that's what would need to happen, really, is for the farmers just to stick together and say, right, enough's enough. I'm not getting that any more land kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a funny one though, because I'm going to put my politician's hat back on here and say, you know, we're the first to moan when the price of stabs goes up. Well, the price of, you know, we we need we need a forestry industry out there. But yeah. to me, the, the ones the ones that are planted by companies who are aiming to produce timber, yeah, that's that's a different story from when we're planting trees to a offset and and you know that does that does so many. Yeah, because the, the boys producing timber, you kind of they're putting an industry within a rural community that still needs work and labour, and it's it's gonna it's gonna provide economy for that area. Whereas all these ones that's doing it for their carbon credits and all that, all that's gonna benefit somebody with a computer in a city somewhere. You can it's no it's no bringing it back to the community. Yeah, yeah. One of the things you mentioned there actually was the narrative, and I, I think the narrative bit is something we all we've all got a role to play in here. And I know you've done a lot of work through, you know, on this farming life, and then also quite a bit of social media and stuff is putting farming out there, putting the, and it's not even just the positive messages; it's the warts and all. But the we've got such a good story to tell, and it's really good to see you guys stepping up and actually putting it out there and and yeah well when like we got approached by this farming life to see if we'd want to take part in it and on on first thoughts we actually declined it we we didn't really want to be in the limelight or do anything like that but at the same time we kind of thought about it for a week or two and hey there's there's very few things out there putting a positive message on agriculture at the moment usually it's doom and gloom and then quite often farmers are doom and gloom themselves are I moaning and complaining about this that and the next and they probably quite rightly so but it's no that's not gonna win the favor or the mob kind of thing like you need mm-hmm. to keep things as positive and proactive as you can and our island it produces a lot of food it's it's the main economy up here would still be agriculture and we thought they'd been everywhere else so we'd we'd let them come on and we just thought we'll just We'll, we'll just show them nothing but farming and give them no chance for anything else. And, and that's kind of what we did. And the feedback was fairly good. So, like, after all, we were we were kind of pleased we did it kind of thing. Oh, I, I think it was outstanding. It was it was brilliant. And, and it really got the, you know, the family approach. It was nice to see everybody involved in the business and, and also the kind of shows the variety and the, and the challenges that you guys have got because... Each area in Scotland, you know, we've got good things and bad things. And as you see, Orkney, there's some tremendous farms and tremendous stock come off Orkney. But 
the winter, that's the bit for us. We've got a long enough winter at home. But you'll have a month before and a month after what we've got. You know, it's a yeah, yeah, a long, difficult winter. So with that, that's kind of what we're what we're aiming to look at today. So your sheep system, is it what? So this will obviously include Dad's place as well. So the, do the two businesses work pretty close together? Is that still still? Uh, mine would be completely separate, but like like me 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 folks and that still help me if I need to do stuff on me firm and, and vice versa. Like I'm still working for my dad and my uncle every chance I get when I'm not doing my own thing. I was really interested actually to see your couple of videos in the sheep game that were all about your slatted shed, which, you know, looks, and that'll be at dad's, but at a tremendous asset, a tremendous resource. Have you got sheep slats in at your place as well? No, no, no sheep slats. Uh, on my place that was the beauty of this place that I've just bought to, to winter sheep here in Orkney you can get through till around now but uh, you, you'll have eaten all the grass that's available really um, it's and the farm we've bought down in Orford like my place uh, there's a lot of hill ground work there's about 400 acres of like heather hill and uh, like we can we can winter a lot of sheep on that. We can make enough silage in the summertime to support them for two, three months. So th- that's kind of what we're at at the moment is um, we're carting sheep home for grazing and, and that's the kind of system they'll go into. And so for my own sheep, I don't need slats because I've got enough hill ground, dry dry kind of hill ground that I can keep the, the sheep on new until things start growing again in May time. But my father's farm doesn't have so much hill ground and but still needs a lot of sheep to to stock it properly so that's the why we we have the sheds there um and that's kind of why they were built yeah because it's it's a a huge amount of stock here in the summertime but it's it's quite hard to carry them in the winter time aye it is amazing like the the sheep slat thing i think is a it's a phenomenal system. It's a great way of keeping sheep high capital cost on the way in, very little cost thereafter. Sheep do really well on it, but they've become very, very fashionable as a thing in the last maybe aye, three or four years. Sheep slats have become a, a real talking point in the industry. And there are a lot of people looking at putting slats in and actually probably need to look at that standoff pad, look at that. There's a hard area on the farm somewhere that you can feed silage outside hill areas that kind of thing yeah. maybe we don't right. need them yeah well personally if i had more dry hill i wouldn't have sheep inside you can like the sheep outside as long as their environments right if they're getting a dry lie they've got enough area and you're able to get feed to them without everything just being a complete quagmire the sheep's actually fitter like the sheep I'll, I'll stay in hell of a good condition in the shade, but fitness-wise, I wouldn't say they're as fit as the sheep that are coming off the hills that's been fed. Um, but, like, we we just don't have enough scope to keep everything outside the whole time kind of thing. So I, I think you need to think about what's actually available on your own farm. And, and because, like, here we've actually put in systems outside on our hill blocks to make sure we can feed easily 
whether it be roads or we've we've dug down the hard surfaces to put ring feeders on things like that but like we've accessed all our hill blocks that we can feed out on you can drive out with a tractor on a road kind of thing it costs a wee bit mm-hmm. to fit in but it's a lot cheaper than a shed at the end of the day too yeah and it, it makes it clean and tidy and easy to do as well you know if you've got a an outwintering path effectively if you can do it that you've got an almost an outside shed you've got roads to it you've got hard standings you can do it clean the env- the environmental bit's really important because we can make a right mess you can have quite a good sheep maybe not so bad but you can have a a really good cheap cattle system that is an environmental disaster that uh, we, need, we need to you know putting that time and a bit of thought into it if you've not done it before putting the wee road in or the hard standing in to do it makes the thing that wee bit tighter and wee bit better and, and nicer uh, for you to operate um the, the the shed is handy so saying that like it would like for me that has plenty of hill blocks to keep sheep it would still nice to be it would still be good to have an option that you could uh, have a enough space that you can get in maybe some use that's lacking a bit of condition or triplet bearing use and just things like that you can like it would be, but they would be better housed up here anyway at certain times of the year. Like, um, but yeah, fit pairs, singles, and things like that. I I wouldn't be putting them in a shed unless I had to. Yeah, and the one one group, or like the group we don't often think about, but see the the wee guys. You know the things. Even if you're selling store, a uh, those wee that wee group of lambs that's still kicking about at Christmas time. They maybe had a sore foot or they've had whatever. They're not finished, they're still there. See sticking them on slats out of the way and, and finishing them sorted and gone, getting them out of the system because oh, yeah. they consume a lot more grass than we give them credit for. Yeah. Oh, that's a game changer. Like we like you can it doesn't matter who good a job we have, we try and make of the lambs or what grass we get them on. We'll always be left with two hundred lambs that needs to come in after Christmas because it just with the weather being so crap and the goodness coming out of the grass, they're not thriving outside. Yeah. And and we finish everything here. And once they're in on the slats, you have a wee bit of period, like your 10 days to two weeks, you really need to keep an eye on them to make sure they're eating forage and they're eating nuts. You'll have a lot of shy eaters amongst them. But once you're over that hurdle, they, they just motor. And once they're finished inside, like they kill out a hell of a lot better than the ones that's left outside as well. And it's a... Uh, with very little mess and very little hassle. And see with the, with the proper infrastructure outside, so see on your farm, could you could you set up a system to finish lambs outside? You know, if, if you obviously do, but do you reckon the, the store lamb on slats way outperforms something that's standing outside? That's the same in January. It's been pretty biblical, actually, how much wet it's been. And unless you get underneath them dry like you'd really just struggle to perform the shade i would say because yeah. they'll be outside but like even if you're feeding them and that they'll be outside they are burning calories just staying warm and and you can that type of thing i would say because and i don't know who other folk get on but every young sheep that's never seen silage before there's kind of our our feed for that instance like it takes them a wee bit to learn what it is and it's a lot harder to do that outside than in a shed 
and uh, you can like just to get the whole mob eaten correctly. The shed's very handy for that. You can, it's uh, yeah. I don't know who that would work outside yeah. so much. I would, I would estimate you'd be a lot more wastage and food that's not being eaten properly. Yeah, and and I suppose the other challenge as well is you land up, you put pressure on that feeding pad before you're actually putting your eyes on it. So you're putting, you know, it gets a wee poach or it gets, aye, there's a there's a, there's only yeah. so long you want to be feeding on that pad, and you really the priority should be fit twin bearing ewes for for that. Yeah, job. definitely. And if if you happen to have one or two lame sheep when they come in, you trim their feet then, and you'll you'll never get a bad feet on slats the rest like until you can. It, it just doesn't seem to be a problem, and that's why I couldn't look past slats for sheep housing and else if I was taking them in a shed. Yeah. And I suppose for, for context as well, what would a ton of straw be costing in Orkney at the moment? And when did you last have sheep on straw? We've never had sheep on straw. Like me that shed I did up there last year, uh, that was actually a renovation of the original slatted shed my father built about 30 years ago. So in me memory, we've never had them on a straw but uh, I would say I couldn't tell you what a ton of straws just now I know if we get an arctic load of Heston bales which we mix in with our silage for the cattle it's around five grand for straw you can so I would say by the time you take your straw costs time of bedding and you know, like you can't stock them so heavily on it either, and the problems you'd have with that, like I just don't know why anybody would look at that, to be honest. So you're are you way in excess of two hundred pound a ton, and it's an yeah. It's if, if you was buying it in from, if you are buying it in from south, yeah, like yeah, we do grow our own barley here for cattle bedding and whatnot, but we never make as good a quality straw as you would get doing the road. It's always a bit damp and wee yeah, bit black like it's a uh, like it's not the same bedding quality so like that that's that's a uh, you can i would say yeah it'd be something around that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so if we go back to your your big slatted shed and i would highlight when we stick that the link to cami's video in the the notes for this the show notes for this podcast um your slatted shed it looks a million dollars um which I don't think it maybe cost quite a million dollars to do, but what what is the what size is it and how many hours can you get in it? She'll hold about four hundred and fifty. I was hoping for five hundred, but uh, she she holds about four hundred and fifty. She'll be six bays long uh, on the slatted side of things. Uh, which I, so she'll be well, she'll be five twenty foot bays and one fifteen foot bay because we're actually built an extension on the end to give us more slatted capacity since we was making the feed passage design uh, differently that was taking up more room in the shade so we had to build her a wee bit longer to hold the same amount of use but yeah she yeah she'll hold about four and there's there's three tanks so uh, there's two narrow tanks which are 2.4 meters wide and then the middle one is, I forget off the top of my head what it is. It'd probably be fully double that. So, yeah, you're talking about 
yeah, say f- five meters maybe for the mm-hmm. length of the shade. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of what we did. Yeah, and what? How often do you have to empty it? You get a full winter out it or more? Uh, you can hold a full winter, but I've had a learning curve where like the way the way we did the tanks underneath the slats, like. Since I was renovating an old shed, we already had a concrete floor in the base of the whole shed. So it seemed daft digging up a perfectly good concrete floor to lay another one. Ideally, I would have liked to put a deeper tank in it. Mm -hmm. Um, There's about two and a half feet. Well, no, should be closer to two feet below the, the slats, just over two feet. And I would have liked to go on maybe three and a half, even four, ideally, if I was building a new one. But I did this design that I put like a slurry mixing hole and then we'll just add water or pot ale, something like that that's available here to liquidize the slurry. And we'd agitate it from both ends with a slurry pump. But I actually cleaned it out there two weeks ago for the first time. So it's the first time we've actually done it with a new system. And what I'm going to have to do is put another agitation hole in the center of each tank because I could only do two and a half pens worth each end of the tank. It just seemed to be, it just left a big hard lump in the middle and it was a hell of a job to get out. I ended up having to get a big industrial compressor and a big long steel pipe and I had to blow air into the the solid lump in the middle and mix up the water and that's the only way I could break it up. But if I recheck it that I put another mixing hole halfway down the tank the whole thing will work but if I was doing a new build I would put more depth in the tank that you could put more water or more something to liquidize it and you'd get on better but yeah it's not it's not worked for that length of tanks just having a, a mixing hole each end if that makes sense yeah but I mean that's a thing that's learning and adapting as you go and and although it's one of those jobs what you had to do last week to get it emptied wouldn't it be as bad as graping out straw winter or you know it's a it's it's one of those jobs that needs done and in the summer you can adapt it and make it make it better yeah, the only thing and, i suppose and, we need to yeah. we need to be careful with when we're adding digestive or pot ale or something into slurry systems and it's much more about dairy slurry than it is about sheep slurry but we do just need to be careful with when we start mixing what what else comes off what unseen things come off gas wise and uh, there's too many bad stories out there with slurry mixing incidents it's just having your wits about you when you're going to be um going to be mixing slurry and, and making sure we're not putting anything in there that's it's going to make a gas story much worse but as i say i i don't think i know of any sheep slat related disasters but there's countless ones on in the cattle world that we need to just yeah. keep in mind when we're when we're at the job. It'll definitely be an issue, but that they got shed. She's well, she's three big massive doors on her. So like when we're mixing, we just open all the doors and hope for a good airy day you can and just be kind of sensible with it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a thing that we none of us and very few folk have, but they're not dear, is the the sensor and the, the alarm for slurry gases like that you can get an alarm with and I think they're about 200 quid they're no they're no a massive amount of money that is a lot better than waiting for cows to go down or waiting for people to go down but um, anyway that's a bit of a tangent but just you know 
stay safe, everybody. Um, the thing on the slat slatted shed. So you you renovated a slatted shed, which always it's always harder. You know your design's limited by constrained by what's there already and the size of the shed. See if you were starting with a blank slate with that shed, what would you change much about it? You make the tank deeper. You said that, but pen size and things. What would the ideal pen size be? Do you think? Hey, I would say you maybe need to take into consideration your lambing setup, like we lamb to use on the slats, and uh, like then they get put into individual lambing pens as the lamb kind of thing. Uh, the big center passage tank, like if you're gimmers and things that won't fall into your pen, they're a wee bit harder caught in there. Whereas the narrower pens are just really easy for coming in on a sheep and getting them in the trolley to get them their pen, things like that. So, uh, but to be honest, there's not a huge amount I would change around that shed. It is uh, uh, more depth in the tank, definitely. Uh, it would be an asset, but I kind of, I built what I wanted to a certain extent. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can't really think of oh, a huge amount, but it works. It works very well. Yeah, and so you've obviously been very involved in the design and building of that that shed or, or renovation of that shed. So my assumption is, if we look at succession and going forward, I take it down the line is is your intention to take that farm on as well? Is that is that the business model we're we're looking at? Yeah, it's laggy. It's going to be a hard one. So. For like my father's years left in him and my uncle as well, and uh, my uncle doesn't really have anybody coming interested in farming behind them, so there's probably gonna have to be some sort of payout, and I think that'd be quite a hard one to sort out. But like I built the shed because we just built a new farm and we doubled our sheet numbers in one year, pretty much, and. The, the sheds made it possible that dad can feed it even in, a, in his old age as a tractor and wagon job. You can you just fill it up with silage and your nuts, the, every sheep that's in there gets what it needs for two or three days. You can, you can feed it for two or three days worth. And like dad in his 60s and his 70s can do that with tractor. And the, like the, the, the reason we built the the sheep like uh, it was a job that needed doing the old one had had its day and uh, it needed modernising and uh, we doubled our sheep numbers in in a year and something had to give to make the whole job a wee bit easier and so like I said the uh, my father can do feed all the sheep in that shed concentrates and silage with two passes to the tractor and work in. And he could, he'll do that. He'll be able to do that for years. And what Cammy's video didn't pick up on was because uh, it hadn't been made yet. I actually made a handling facility with an each feed pass of the shed. So from after lambing time right up until now, when sheep starting getting housed again, that's our main handling facility, and uh, it had it, it worked really well. Like uh, it's. It's it's man it's let us able to achieve a lot more in less hours, I would say, by how efficiently it, it works and it's been set up and uh, you can tackle a lot more jobs 
all in the one area, then the bottleneck with sheep, and you could only really do one job at a time, kind of thing. Aye, it's phenomenal. And even just the slatted pens off the side and holding sheep and being able to do it clean and not having to scrape out and wash out and everything after or during, or, you know, it's a phenomenally flexible operation. You know, it's, and, and if you can do that, you know, you've spent a bit of money on it, but if you're building a new handling system, that costs a bit of money as well, and it only handles sheep, whereas you've got the the ability to sweat that that asset through the through the year. But when it comes to what about winter handlings? Do you rebuild the, the handling pens in the feed passage, or do you take them out to to other pens if you've got a I don't know maybe not that many routine operations? If you get used to vaccinate or something um, from yeah, the slats, do you take uh, them out the shed? No, what ones that's for housing, the, the only two tasks we don't do through that shed um, due to already being used as a housing shed is scanning and we're pre-lamming vaccination. You can, that's only two jobs that gets done in the time the shed's used as a house shed and we do, we have a a, a good handling facility for cattle up at work cattle farm and it just gets adjusted that we can set up the combi clamp and set up the scanner at the end of the cattle race and that's kind of how we do our handling when it's out of use kind of thing yeah and it'll be it'll be not as good but it'll still be re- it'll be reasonable it'll be it'll not be the worst place to work receipt um... no i'd say well it's like you say it needs a bloody good clean up after every time you use it like you forget who lucky you've got on slats like every time you do jobs with sheep it's so clean there's no scatter everywhere there's nothing to clean up whereas when we we do our scanning and uh, and we're vaccination me and mother's always kind of ooh or two worse we're bloody old squeegee scraper scraping all the pens yeah. up and that you can after it and the way that pens are built as well you generally have to shovel it into a barrow and then cart it away and that gittery stuff it's really no it's not the best job in the world at all yeah, and then, then there's a sheep spooks when you try and catch her and she rolls upside down in it and whatnot. And it's just a hell of a mess. Where it's amazing that, that that happens in Orkney as well as home. That's that's actually good to hear. Mm-hmm. So, Sean, your new farm. Um, how are you? How are you stocking that? What's the what's on the ground just now? And maybe where do you think it's going to go uh, in in future years? Yeah, so I've kind of I've stocked up to eight hundred and forty ewes. Um, and I also have, I have six ling cows on the hill. I would actually like to change. I, I bought them because they were cheap and the, the hill was needing needing a bit of cow action to take it back into a uh, good neck again. And I bought them, but I, would, I would, wouldn't mind buying some Hereford heifers. I put in an Angus bull to breed some uh, black baldy females. But I have... Yeah, 840 ewes, most of them's made up by Romneys and Romney Crosses, whether it be in a Romney Cheviots, Romney Clens, and some Romney Aberfields as well. Uh, that's kind of what I'm producing. And I would say for the future, and what, what I'm really passionate about is, is, uh, is I would like to breed as functional animal as I can that you can I, that that's probably where I get my biggest buzz is, is selling some ewe lambs or some gimmers or some tops on the folk off the farm 
been a private sale and like I I generally try and chase up where they've gone, see if they've done well. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I would that would probably be me a sight for the future would be trying to get more into that selling functional breeding females off the farm, females and males, but being geographically up here in Orkney, it would cut the gamble of going to an auction house sooth. And uh, I'm no I'm not gonna chase this a uh, chase this bloody show carry on of filling things full of feed and pampering it till it's nearly dead. You can I, I want things to go as well as they can on around two feet and or four feet in this in this case. And yeah, that would be my kind of sight for the future, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting because the, the show circuit, oh, we all like shows with, you know, the, we need a, I'm a vice president of our local show and it's always a tremendous display of stock. It's important for the public, but there is a real need. The game's changing and that, as you say, that functional animal that's unremarkable. She's cheap to run. She produces you two lambs. She's no worthy of showing, but she's the absolute boiler room for profitability in a business. And I think there's going to be, yeah. well, we know there's endless demand for that type of stock where they, they fit into a grazing system, they fit into a low cost system that I think your, your intention there, I think you'll make more money developing a name in that functional world than you will trying to compete in the high end pedigree stuff. Yeah, definitely. Like I've, like I've been brought up running the show scene and like, my family's quite big in it, but personally, I'm no like I I get the show scene for a for an outing and a socialness. Like you have to have a bit of social life for farming and things like that. But I would say the the show scenes and the bull sales and the way things and the ram sales, the way th- traditionally how things are developed and sell in this country, is what's really holding our whole industry back genetically. To keep up with other countries as far as efficiency goes, because like a lot of the bulls that sold, you can uh, we see it here in Orkney the last a year. Some of them don't even work. You can they've been that pushed, that pampered their whole life that they, they can't do a job. And like I have no ambitions to get a photo in the Scottish farmer or something like that. I would, I would rather have like a profitable farm that's running a lot of stock with less manpower and as efficiently as possible and trying to breed something to win a recite on the wall kind of thing. Aye, no, it's it's interesting. And there's there's room for everybody, but I, I couldn't agree I couldn't agree more. Like there's there's a the, the profit and the the vanity thing, isn't it? It's um, and you you to be fair you've got a farm to pay for you know you've 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 jumped in with both feet you need to make profit to pay for that farm you don't need a rosette to make profit you need to make cash in the bank and you know kick kick the thing on to make to make it go yeah when you're when you're a lot of financial pressure you're as i would say a lot of establishment coming in and they're actually quite comfortable financially so they can they can farm any way they want and the, the business will soak it up. Whereas you're, you can't do that when you're so under pressure financially and it makes you think a lot harder than the every detail. And somebody that's 
maybe done something for the last 20 years and they're, they're already set up and they, they don't have so much money worries kind of thing. Aye, it's, it is horses for courses and, and we're all, uh, we're here for ourselves. you know, we're here to, to do what's right for us. And uh, One of the, again, Faz Connect conference yesterday, one of the quite big discussion pieces was why are we bothered what other folk think? You know, why does it matter if you do it different to your neighbour? And the, the main discussion point there was actually about why is it a, you know, we've got a real badge of honour. If you're up, up before five o'clock, you're a hard worker. And if you're in, if you're in your bed at seven o'clock in the morning, you're a, you're a lazy. I think, well, actually, if you can make a system work that fits and you don't have to work as hard, great. And equally, if you've got a system that needs a lot of cash and you have to work hard, and you have to get an animal that fits that system. Does it matter if your neighbour doesn't like the look at? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I'm pretty lucky. Yeah, I don't really care what folk think. You kind of just this kind of thing. But yeah, certainly I would say maybe the, the old-fashioned look and way is if you're like I, I can just see the future with the lack of manpower. How much stock each man's going to have to start looking after. You have to have stock that can do it themselves rather than this old-fashioned way of stockmanship, which take me heart off to them. Great stockmen, but you can, on a business perspective, there's only so much work you can actually achieve in the day. So you can, if you want your stock to be doing well, they have to be looking after themselves rather than uh, you looking after them like an intensive care unit most of the time. So what about the future? So I'm fairly upbeat. I was speaking at the Faz Connect conference yesterday and the message from that was pretty upbeat about the future and uh, and almost that the future's in our hands. You know, we've, we, we've, the future's what we make it. What What's your plan? So obviously there's, there's Laga, Dad and Uncle are going to farm it for the foreseeable. You've you've bought some ground. Are you, are you looking to expand your own? You don't have to, if there's anything secret, you don't have to tell us, but is there a, what does the next, the, the last 10 years has obviously been quite exciting and building and growth is the next 10 years more of the same or are you going to do things a bit different no i'll be i'll be looking for any opportunities you you can get like taking on this farm and buying this farm it's put us in a situation that we can't talk with foot off the gas like if i was being quite honest we're really quite struggling to keep the loan paid with the, the firm alone. Like I've actually, I wanted to do less sheep shearing and I've ended up having to do more to try and bring in money. I did two months in Norway, which I've not done before. And like I did as long as summer shearing in the UK as I've done. And like I'm at, I'm kind of working harder than ever to keep the whole thing going. But I think like certainly new, I've got a young boy coming ahead me, I want personally, I want to leave a good situation for whatever's coming ahead me, like, because I don't like the the path, like, uh, I've taken, I think a lot of people would have gotten second of the job, and you might second your kids before they're even, like, there to take on, kind of thing, just because it's, it's no easy at the moment, but I think farming will come good. I think there's still a lot of people needs to be fed. And at the moment, they've got it easy. They don't, they're not really need to be educated where their food comes from. It's just, it's always there for them. But I think there might come a time that food might 
become more of a importance to people and the, the farmers will be the ones that uh, will reap the benefits of it. And I just think it's a, it's a time to hang in and go, go as hard as you can. And, and I think the folk that's left in it will, will be okay because we're in an age and like, well, the, the average age of a farmer is quite frightening, actually, especially in Orkney anyway, and it'd probably be the same in through the UK. But you can that boys can't continue forever. So any youngsters that's there that really wants to make a go, or in the next 10, 20 years, there's going to be opportunities. Like it's, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of shake up. I think the way the subsidies and that's been set up for the last wee while, it just favours an old guy carrying on and uh, just doing the bare minimum to get his payment. Whereas if I think that whole thing gets shooken up, it'll force people's hand to, to, to make changes. And you can, I think, I think there'll be opportunities there for young ones that really, really want it, but they've got to be willing to work for it. Aye. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do the job I do if I thought the job was bugger. You know, it's a, yeah, there is a, there's a bright future in this as an interesting future. And it, it's, it's different to what the past was. You know, the systems change, a markets change, everything changes. But what what you've done, and, and I'm pleased you mentioned the, you know, that struggle that we've got some very well established businesses who are who are, you know, everyone is struggling with a interest and in, and with changes that have happened. And what what we miss sometimes when we see, you know, you see the invoice that comes in or the you know, the statement come in from the bank saying how much interest you're paying back and all, all that but you see it but we haven't really seen we haven't really noticed the inflation and in what we're selling and I think when you're under that pressure you don't see the the change in your income and actually there has been an adjustment in terms of inflation and what we're selling farming's pretty buoyant at the moment if the interest story if the if we can control those costs you're in the bit I would say it's a tickly bit. The first two or three years of taking on a loan, it always feels like it's too much. Then you get five years in and it feels okay. You get 10 years in, you don't really notice it anymore, particularly if you're buying land. And, you know, all I would say is just, you know, keep your head, don't keep your, keep your head down working, but keep your head up and, and look for, look for those opportunities and be positive. Because as you say, aging population, a increasing population too. We've got a lot of mouths to feed, and there's a real, with a real positive story to tell here. So I, I think you know, you've there's a bright future across the whole country, um, and I life is going to be good. And hopefully, your son and and whoever else comes after that, you know, if they're keen to farm, I think there's there's going to be endless opportunities for for young people in the next twenty thirty years because it's going to be different to what it is now. Yeah, it's. Uh, I just think I think farmers really need to be as adaptable as they can be. Like I think there's going to be changes coming, and hopefully it's positive changes. But whatever the changes are, you've got to you've got to be willing to problem solve whatever it is. I think like every day you go to work as a farmer, you're a problem solver too. And uh, if you're willing to think outside the box and just constantly put what you're doing under scrutiny, I think, like, I always 
scrutinise everything I'm doing to see if you can do it better or you can do it more efficiently or you could squeeze an extra pound to it. And I think if everybody does that and, and stays open-minded, they'll, they'll get on all right in the industry. Absolutely. And I don't think there's a a better way to or place to close that. You know, it's been great talking to you and we've covered a lot there. You know, we were really focusing on sheep slats to start with. We covered them, but the the wider story's phenomenal and just genuinely wish you all the best with what you're doing. Uh, and certainly hopefully you can get that balance that we can have a business that's profitable, nice to run, and you've got plenty of family time as well because it's it's the one I keep telling myself as well we don't get that time back but uh, if you're down this direction Sean do if you come into the office you'll get a cup of tea but maybe see you later on and we can get a, a beer as well so it'll be um, good to see you at some stage but with that I'll just big thank you and catch up with you sometime yeah thank you if you enjoyed listening to Stock Talk You may enjoy some of our other podcasts, such as Crofting Matters, which is a 12-part monthly show that discusses all things crofting in Scotland, including livestock management. You may also enjoy our new podcast, Agriculture, which tells the stories of some interesting and influential people in the agricultural industry. Just search Crofting Matters or Agriculture wherever you get your podcasts from. The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.